Not so long ago, it was predicted that by the year 2020, the world would be commuting in flying cars. It was all Star Trek meets the Jetsons, as we relaxed in our fully autonomous vehicles while they cleverly navigated their way on a trafficless route and got us safely to our destination. It was a glorious vision. And yet, despite the best science fiction storylines, there hasn't been a major breakthrough in personal transportation since the 1950s which have resulted in a more efficient, safer, somewhat more reliable and generally better commute. But cars are still cars, buses are still buses, and even bicycles are largely the same. Now though, as we kick off into the 21st century, travel technology is evolving, with self-driving cars and the push to electric and alternative energy vehicles. Cars, buses and bikes will soon have the ability to communicate with each other and with objects around them to make for an all-round better traffic experience. That experience also depends on how we choose to get to our destinations. Cities will need to integrate new designs and infrastructure to make the future way of things a reality. And that includes a focus on better access for pedestrians and cyclists to advance sustainability and help cure one of civilization's greatest headaches congestion. A few forward-thinking cities are putting those plans in place, and in this episode of the Waterfall Podcast, we travel to Prague to find out about their ambitious mobility plan. We also hear from a Polish company on the cutting edge of mobility, and we'll get a South African perspective from Pit Hubert and Lawrence Tutoy, discussing how Waterfall is rolling out their transportation solutions to help maintain its status as a world-class estate. I'm Spike Ballantyne, and this is the Waterfall Podcast Season 3, Smart Cities. Smart City Transport provides integrated solutions for public and private transport. It aims to boost sustainability by reducing traffic and associated emissions and increasing the adoption of efficient and alternative options. Smart City Transport includes the use of sensors and data monitoring to alleviate congestion in real time and get users to the end destinations efficiently and safely. This could include the use of new technologies like car-to-x location communication, which allows cars to exchange data with other cars, traffic lights, city movement sensors, etc. in real time. That definition of transport in a smart city is from Kyra Rautenbach from Waterfall's development partner, Attack. But as we found out in this series, there's a lot more to smart cities than just the simple definitions of the systems it uses to improve quality of life inside its borders. A lot of those systems are powered by technology, but when it comes to transport, that can take a back seat. In the Czech Republic, the city of Prague is currently rolling out a multi-year, multi-million euro smart mobility plan, and this is the guy in charge of it. My name is Adam Scheinherr, and I am vice mayor of the city of Prague. Adam is responsible for transportation, which means everything from infrastructure to public transport. As he explains, while the scale and ambition of the project is huge, there's still space in a smart city for simple solutions. The aim of it is to support that more people use walking, cycling or public transport in the city in next years. And from this point of view, we are, of course, trying to do big projects that are really attractive. But for me personally, also, it's very important to do very small projects like pedestrians' crossings or places where pedestrians' crossings were cancelled in the past. 
And those, I think, are also very important projects because if uh, every day you are going to work, you are going to school or to, for shopping, uh, you don't have to cross every time big steps. Or if we make more safer crossings and if we make them feel comfortable to walk in the city, we will support not only the mobility of walking, but also the environment. The other thing is that inside of Prague for parking, we are making resident zones. And so it is very difficult for people from outside of Prague to come here and park. And so uh, we are pushing them really not to come here and to change for, uh, for public transport. For Adam, focusing on modes of transport that aren't motorized has a longer-term benefit for everyone, delivering on the most important aspect of any smart city, quality of life. There is a lot of tasks and it's very difficult to find the balance between it. But the most important is to put the preference on the public transport, pedestrians and cyclists, and to make for them the priority in the infrastructure if we make the transport more efficient for pedestrians and cyclists, that means that less people will use cars, so there will be less pollution, less noise, and so uh, the quality of life will be higher. In this series, we've heard of a few situations and solutions that are uniquely South African. But we also have challenges in common with smart city development in Europe. In the case of Prague, it's an attachment to cars. South Africans love their cars and are also heavily reliant on road transport. Creating a sustainable alternative will require public support. And as Adam explains, part of Prague's mobility plan is convincing people that there is another way. I think we are slowly arriving to that point that new roads and new highways are not the solution and that the solution is that we make city of uh, short distances, we make city where people can move freely and we were put big preference for the pedestrians, cyclists and public transport. In Prague we are one of the only cities in the world where we have one of the best public transports. Up to 50% of mobility is done by the public transport, which can be very good. Waterfall shares this focus on non-motorized mobility. To get the details, we chatted to two people at the center of the development's mobility plans. I'm Lorenz Toy, and I'm the infrastructure manager for the tech. I'm the general manager at Waterfall Management Company. For Lawrence and Pitt, a shift from cars to more sustainable mobility has to incorporate an extra layer security. We are really promoting a walkable, livable and safe city. So we've got the pedestrianized walkways, cycle lanes, etc. you know, to really facilitate that component of, of transport. In terms of security, we really promote a safe and secure area. So in addition to the residential estates, we've got a state-of-the-art world-class security system to make sure we don't only provide the facilities, but to make sure that as far as practically and reasonably possible, we can keep them safe. And having visuals of your, your precinct and your development allows you to respond quicker to any event, whether it's a congestion or an incident, 
you can then facilitate and make it better for the human experience in that area. Pete adds, we definitely endorse pedestrian traffic throughout our state. We have numerous walkways. We have areas specifically only dedicated to pedestrian traffic within the CBD. We have a safe CBD. In the CBD, we have over 400 cameras and facial recognitioning as well as number plate recognitioning. We make use of those cameras to, to obviously read number plates and that creates a safe environment and that's an environment where people actually want to walk. We have spectacular facilities in the CBD, for instance, the Waterfall Park over in Hector. Uh, people want to, uh, to get out, especially now in COVID times. Uh, they love to take a stroll and even sit there with our world-class wireless connectivity. So what mobility plans are currently in place at Waterfall? Obviously, when you look at the wants and needs of residents and uh, commercial tenants and, and visitors, uh, you, you need to look at stuff like taxi facilities as well. We are very fortunate in that we have the first five-star Green Building Council rated taxi holding facility in South Africa. And we currently have 240 parking bays there for taxis. It's also fitted out with occupancy sensors and USB ports. And obviously, everyone uses GPSs nowadays. We also have other taxi holding facilities strategically located uh, throughout Waterfall. Lawrence comments. But you really want to post a sense of arrival, give a sense of direction, and really help people navigate Waterfall and, and make the most and best use of its facilities and also facilitating movement, especially in Waterfall, through our app so that they want to return and spread, you know, the message to the greater city and its surrounds that this is effectively the place to be. And the one thing I also want to mention. That's Pete again. On the other side of the spectrum, we have the first commercial heliport situated on Waterfall and it's been a huge success and that uh, just adds to the services that residents and visitors receive on Waterfall. Traffic is impacted and you might say it's a result of human movement. So simple example, people getting to and from the office uh, at peak times. But with COVID having hit as hard as it has, that must have disrupted the traffic patterns that you're used to. So has Waterfall learned any lessons from COVID and the kind of new traffic patterns that are happening? With flexible work hours, working from home, people coming into the office only on a need-be basis, you know, whether it's a hybrid model going forward, we don't know what the future will hold. But bottom line is traffic volumes and patterns are now fairly unpredictable. So what we now need to, to, to do is, is just implement a bit of foresight and make sure that whatever traffic volumes we will face in future, we can accommodate on a practically reasonable uh, way that makes sense for the commuter. What we are looking to do is, is to look at the, the traffic light system, is to not have that function on the traditional volumes it's been designed and planned for, but for it to be more reactive. You know, we have now implemented the latest technology that we could um, do jointly with Johannesburg Roads Agency, which is a visual detection system which is something new as opposed to the embedded uh, detection system. So now we can physically trigger traffic lights and sequences from visual images and footage, and that will respond better 
to change in traffic patterns as opposed to not having a system in place. And the intention is to roll that out, obviously, across the whole of Waterfall and our major intersections. But what we've seen to date is a real you know, move in the right direction, technology-wise, as well as integrating that with our planning. Other future plans include the incorporation of traffic data into the Waterfall app, as well as third-party navigation apps, helping ease the commute even further. It's unlikely that cars are going to disappear in any significant way from South African roads anytime soon. But what those cars look like and how they're powered will definitely change. Lawrence explains how Waterfall is ready for that change. Our developments in future will have to start catering for charging points for electric vehicles as they come online. The volume and the extent to which we're still determining. While the uptake of electric vehicles in South Africa may be slower than the rest of the world, the technology in any new car is improving all the time. An example is car-to-X communication, which essentially allows vehicles to connect with each other and with smart city infrastructure to share information. It could be on potential delays or hazards, or to help traffic lights respond to traffic flow, helping keep congestion to a minimum. Whatever the use case, Waterfall has it covered. We are very fortunate in that we have a world-class fiber optic network in Waterfall. We have over 330 kilometers of fiber sleeves in Waterfall. And obviously we have the wireless connectivity. If you talk about cars to X, um, cars connecting to other devices, the main thing is the connectivity that you need. I think it is going to be very difficult in future to manage it, especially from a data perspective. To connect a car to various devices, uh, it takes a lot of data, but it's definitely something, if there's a place in South Africa where it will be possible in future, that will be waterfall due to the fact that we have this world-class connectivity infrastructure on waterfall. We've already mentioned how South Africans love their cars and they are very reliant on road transport, but surely in a push to be more sustainable, we need to move away from cars and start relying more heavily on things like public transport. So are there any future plans for Waterfall to incorporate public transport within the estate? We want to implement almost like a tram system in future, you know, where you can have set routes and shuttle services where people can actually just commute inside of that ecosystem not in their private cars for exactly that reason is, is to have people um, utilize the system for what it's intended to to achieve the results which is less cars on the road which is less uh, you know carbon footprint less emissions etc etc and maybe someday in the future waterfall will be a stop on a local network of smart cities connected by one of the most exciting new modes of transport currently in development hyperloop The ultra-rapid pod-based system was revitalized as a public transport option by Elon Musk, and there are a handful of companies at various stages of developing working examples. One such company, with their own unique take on the idea, is Novomo. I am Kasia Foglianti. I am one of the co-founders of Novomo, formerly called HyperPoland, and we are developing the technology of the magnetic rail inspired by the Hyperloop. Before we get into what Novomo is planning, we asked Kasia to explain just what Hyperloop is. The Hyperloop is uh, a magnetic vacuum rail system. This is a completely new mode of transportation and new technology uh, that uses the advantages of both rail and the aircraft. And basically, it's the vehicles are moving in the vacuum environment, 
and they can reach the speeds up to 1,200 kilometers per hour. And they are having no contact with the ground during their movement, so they are levitating. The advantage of the concept is that it allows similar travel times to short-range flights, but with much lower energy consumption and CO2 emissions. It's also a more scalable solution, which means more flexibility for travelers. Kasia explains. The big advantage of the Hyperloop system in comparison with rail is that the pods, the vehicles, are quite small. So we can send them more often than the rail can operate. With the Hyperloop pods, we can send the pods which are let's say somewhere between 30 to to 70, 80 people more often. So basically every few minutes. And this gives us a lot of flexibility. Kasia, we've got planes and trains covering similar distances to what Hyperloop is proposing. So where exactly does it fit in? The Hyperloop system is a chance to actually fill the gap between the rail and air connections. So it can be used where the traveling by train is becoming burdensome because it takes too long already. But the flight by plane is unprofitable due to the long time needed to travel. And of course, uh, because of the waiting at the airport. So I would personally say that this gap would be somewhere in between 200 to 1000 kilometers where we can really see a profit of of the Hyperloop system being used. So with Hyperloop being a new concept, that obviously means that the infrastructure has to be designed and built from the ground up. But now Novomo has got a slightly different approach. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So we started with approach to Hyperloop in three steps. And the first step is the MagRail system. This MAGRI system is using the existing railway infrastructure. So we can operate on existing railway tracks with the speeds from 300 kilometers per hour to 550 kilometers per hour when we are going to move on the high speed rail lines. And this is basically like a hybrid solution, which allows both our magnetic vehicles and also the conventional trains to operate on the same lines. So in this sense, we can speed up the whole process of implementing the system because we don't need to build a new infrastructure. It takes a lot of time to acquire the land for that. And for Hyperloop, there need to be new regulations as well. Within the MAGRI system, we can partially use the existing regulations. And parts of the system that we are developing within the MAGRAIL technology can be later on used also in the vacuum environment. So basically, our uh, linear motor and levitation can be afterwards used also in the Hyperloop system itself. Whether it's more electric vehicles, pedestrians or bicycles, or a shift to a greater reliance on public transport, as far as Pitt is concerned, no matter what the future of mobility holds, Waterfall is ready. We're also in a position to future-proof ourselves for some of the new technologies and some of the new mobility systems out there. You know, being able to utilize the latest in urban design principles, a lot of planning 
went into waterfall and the transport system and we are ready to roll out mobility systems and waterfall that is really world class. The future of mobility is changing and inefficient fossil fuel based options are being consigned to history. Whether you're driving, cycling, walking or using public transport, smart cities like Waterfall and others around the world are moving towards more sustainable, efficient and connected ways of getting from A to B and beyond. This has been another episode of the Waterfall podcast. Find all the episodes on your favorite podcast platform as well as on the Cliff Central and Go Waterfall apps.